May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. We're rolling into game week number five. It's all Big Ten play from here on out. Eight consecutive conference matchups beginning Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff against Indiana. Got a couple of top 25 matchups upcoming in October, but not going to look past anything at this point. Lions 24-7 expert on Penn State football and our resident beat reporter on the Ryder Cup. Sean Fitz joins us still live on location from Wisconsin. I'm not sure. We haven't gotten confirmation if he's ever coming back, but... Hi, good morning, Sean. Oh, it's beautiful out here, man. We've had incredible weather the last four days, and I, I'm thinking about not coming back, but there's a, there's a pretty big game on Saturday night, so I think I'll think I'll hop on that jet and come come home today. But, uh, no, it's great to, great to be here. Missed the Villanova game. You asked for my takes on it. I, I just don't have a ton that are worth spewing right now. I watched a little bit of it this morning. Um, can't take a ton away from it. Hangovers are acceptable. We say that in many levels this morning, um, but it, it, it's definitely – uh, good to get that one in the rearview mirror. You will be back in, in Happy Valley pretty soon. Uh, but Matthias Barnwell and uh, new commit, Mega Barnwell for Penn State, a new old commit. I don't know how to refer to him, but he was back here. Um, this is one that, you know, you, you kind of forecasted. Keep it close eye. This one could circle back. And by the time Saturday rolled around, I think you surprised a lot of people um, because you were reporting things live on location in Wisconsin. And you let us know that that this was one that we needed to watch closely in Beaver Stadium. It came to fruition. Um, and all of a sudden, Barnwell back on board. What did we say? We, we said uh, they're, they're making it an event. These kids want to commit to James Franklin on the 50-yard line before the game when they do the handshake. And I wasn't there, but I assume that's what Barnwell did because that was the plan. Uh, for him to come back into the fold. If you if you look at his recruitment, uh, Penn State obviously forged an early relationship with him, got him up for visits before, you know, the dead period, the mandatory dead period for COVID. And uh, really uh, just kind of, he, he made that decision last year. And I think we said it at the time, we weren't sure if it would stick because it was so early. And, and you know, that was correct. It, it was way too early for him to make a decision. Um, but he did get a chance to get out and about, uh, see some schools, check out some new offers. Ohio State came through with an offer. Notre Dame came through with an offer. Um, so he got a chance to actually do his due diligence and visited Penn State, I believe, twice in June. Uh, came back last weekend for the whiteout. And, and again, this weekend kind of slid that one under the radar, didn't want anybody knowing he was coming up. And all of a sudden, you know, you're 6'6", 260, and, and you're going to you're gonna stand out in some spots. Um, so he ended up on the sidelines for Penn State's game, uh, committed to Penn State. We had some quotes. Brian Dome was down there last week. And, and actually, it's funny because Barnwell did not lead anything on, did not say he had any visits coming up. Uh, Brian was able to get some quotes out of him on his Penn State experience. We turned that into a commitment story, had that ready to go by the time he popped on Saturday. So big pickup for Penn State. As I said, nearly 6'6", 260. He's a tight end in name. Uh, I still don't know what he is. Is he a tight end? Maybe. I mean, you look at, you put on the, the film and he's running around catching balls, playing wide out and things like that. But usually when you're doing that, probably 50 pounds lighter. Um, but uh, I, I see him, you know, potentially continuing to grow into alignment. And then, then you have the question of which side of the ball. 
Notre Dame wanted him as a defensive lineman. Some schools have talked to him as an offensive tackle. Um, you know, he's, he's got so much potential in that frame that you just continue to go for it. And you, you take him and then you decide what happens when he gets on campus. I was watching his film this morning. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Jaron Jones, uh, the, the former uh, Notre Dame defensive lineman who was once committed to Penn State. Some people said offensive line for him. Some people said defensive line. Um, he eventually went to Notre Dame, played defensive line, and, and ended up in the NFL. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's kind of what you're looking at. You just take a big frame. You see what you can do with it, and you, and you make the most of it. Um, we'll see where it goes three years from now. Uh, I think he'll come in, maybe maybe get a shot to play tight end, but I'm not sure how long he sticks there just because he is – he is huge. I mean, his nickname is Mega for a reason. Like I said, that that's big size to play with. When he gets into a weight program and a nutrition program, you have no idea which direction that's going to go. We had firsthand confirmation, Mark and I, and Grace Brennan, who was shooting photos at Beaver Stadium once again. And I'd encourage people, if you want to get some perspective on how big this young man is, essentially halfway through his high school career, go check out those photos that we have up on lines247.com of a bunch of different recruits. But there are several of Barnwell, including the moment that he let James Franklin know that he was back in. Um, so there's some momentum, as you anticipated, from a strong start brewing with the 2023 recruiting class. All of a sudden, three commitments, back-to-back -back Saturdays. Hey, we got another Saturday game coming up in Beaver Stadium to cover. Uh, maybe they can make that strike three weeks in a row. But ultimately, we got to go back to this 2022 pickup, which was a surprise. Um, the timing of it, the destination ultimately for Andre Roy, the offensive lineman out of Baltimore. Andre Roy, it, it's been a, I don't want to call it a weird recruitment. That's probably not fair to the kid, but it's been, it's been all over the place. We've, we've had Penn state leading for a while. And then toward the end, you started to hear more and more Maryland. I know some crystal balls went in, in Maryland's direction for that. I did not put one in just because the type of kid that he is, you, you can kind of expect the unexpected with Andre Roy. So got into Milwaukee the other night, pulled in the driveway, checked my phone. And, and all of a sudden Andre Roy tweets out of a, a Penn state commitment video. Here we are. Uh, so it was uh, it was really one of those recruitments with with so many little twists and turns and you were just kind of waiting for the uh, the the end moment. And I think there's still twists and turns to go with this one. I think um, from from what our, our folks at, at the Maryland 24-7 site report, he was at Maryland on Saturday. So that's, you know, his his prerogative, I guess. We'll see how Penn State uh, handles that one. But uh, it's uh, really an interesting one because this is a kid who you look at his uh, his development track, six, six, uh, three. 300 plus a huge frame, long arms, nearly 37 inch arms, but which by comparison, we had talked up what Zariah Fisher's arms and they're about 35 inches, 34 and a half. Um, so this, this is just a condor type wingspan for Andre Roy. It's all potential right now. Yeah. His senior film, um, does not show the progress that we thought we would see after his camp season in the spring. He looked good at the camp season in the spring, has no idea what he's doing out there. And that's a, I say that as a positive thing, something to work with for Phil Troutwine uh, there, but just another big, big body that can, that can, you know, move around pretty well. Uh, I have questions about, you know, where he's going to be long-term and how long it's going to take him to fulfill that potential. I think it, it really just the, it, it, it's, uh, a boomer bust type situation, I think, with Andre Roy, um, just can can be really, really good if he works himself into it. But he's got a long way to go. I kind of, I had trouble focusing on everything after Andre Roy resurfaced in College Park last Saturday while Penn State was playing a home game. What can you take me back to what that might? I mean, Sean, I've never heard of something like that uncovering Penn State recruiting where a kid commits and then. 24 hours later it is is on a uh, not a rival campus but a campus that you're visiting as a as a Big 10 opponent in a few weeks. 
hey, man, you, this is the cycle of Tyrese Fearbury, and now you can add Andre Roy to that. Wow, so, yeah. There's so much going My on goodness. Uh, with, with stuff like that. I, I mean, it's we, we expected him at Maryland because he, he originally was supposed to, to, to commit last Wednesday, pushed it back to Saturday. We expect him to commit to Maryland on Saturday. So him being on the visitor list, not a complete surprise because sometimes that's, you know, those expected visitor lists are optimistic, if you will say. Um, so wasn't sure if he would show or not, but apparently he got down there. Obviously not a, not a long ride to college park for him. Um, and that St. Francis Academy always has kids pop up on campus, but that's a, that's an interesting life choice. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, I, I don't know how that one comes about and who's advising that to happen. But, uh, you know, kid, kid wants to see a game or, or whatever it may be. He did not come to the whiteout the weekend before, which was, uh, I thought, a strong sign that he was not coming to Penn State. Here we are, man. It's a weird recruitment. It's a weird recruiting year. Um, most of those have gone Penn State's direction in this cycle. But, uh, oh, I guess, you know, they got him on board. So I guess that one did go in Penn State's direction. But I, I don't think this one is over. I'll say that. Yeah, buckle up for this one. Wow. Well, he's commitment number 25. Um, and, sorry, I'm just having a hard time shaking off what you just told you me. You look I like you're heard. processing, yeah. I am. Again, <laughs> I've, I've really never heard of that on, on this beat and really not many others. Um, so, it's, okay. It's, I mean, it's, we'll say it's not a good look. I mean, it's it, it's not. Just to, to commit one spot and then turn around and, and, you know, and I don't want to say this trivially, but Andre Roy is, I think, the second lowest rated recruit in Penn State's class now. So, I mean, that's that, it's an interesting life choice. We'll label it as that. And, you know, he's he's talked to us before, been very nice with us before. But, uh, you know, you got to question the guidance there. And, and just kind of like we did with Tyrese Fearby a few weeks ago, now he's committed to Kentucky and was at a pit game that day. So I, I, I would say that's even weirder, to be honest with you. So that's that's um, the hometown team. I mean, that's that's strange stuff, man. We're getting visits. We're getting visits again, but we're also getting like just, just the strange recruiting things that, that just can't happen on Zoom. So we're back. College football recruiting is back and we're getting the front row seat for it. Okay. As things stand though, that's four offensive linemen on board, Sean. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen in these next three months during the build up to the early signing period, but that's where you are right now. Um, is and, there and, more- and let me cut it and let me cut yeah. in there because I got a video the other day of Malik McNeil punting and he's six, eight, three fifty, and he's punting and he gets a good boot. And then the, the competition level where he plays just terrible, absolutely terrible. And the kid returns it and it looks like he's going to break it. And then all of a sudden that six, eight, 350 pound punter just comes and wipes him out. So trying to secure that for uh, public consumption uh, here, Malik's got to get back to me with that one. Um, but that's, uh, that's the kind of uh, size and athleticism you get in Malik McNeil. I think you were going to ask about more offensive linemen. Emil Wagner visited last weekend for the whiteout. Um, I have a tough time seeing them squeeze in another guy. Of course, they got Spencer Rollin, the transfer from Harvard, going to come in as well. So you've got that with J.B. Nelson and, and your staggering uh, eligibility there. But at the same time, space is so such at a premium. 25 guys in the class right now, um, you know, logic and, and history would state maybe not all 25 of those guys sign, but at the same time, they, they seem pretty strong in their commitments, especially after the whiteout game. You're going to feel that way. So, cause, and you've still got guys on the board at receiver, uh, Andre Green, the top target there. Amari Evans is going to announce in October 2nd, uh, still waiting for some, some feedback, a little bit more feedback on that. Of course, at linebacker, you've got Jay Sean Barham. And then you try and figure out you take Jay Sean Barham as Abdul Carter, now an edge prospect which is a problem they'd love to have and no doubt about it. Um, so you're just all over the place. And with 25 prospects in the classroom, you don't have a ton of wiggle room to work with and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But there's uh, there's certainly a lot of targets still, still on the board for Penn state. Yeah. 20, 25 guys. Uh, we, we did have a, a 
bunch of mailbag questions about, okay, so is Penn State at 25? I'm just going to sneak this in. We, we'll just call this our five-star mailbag because we're right here on the subject. Sean, we had like three questions come our way. Okay, so is Penn State done? This is their 25th commitment. Does this mean the recruiting cycle's over? And it's a big old no in that department. No, it's a no in that department. It, you can always work magic with numbers uh, based on back counting and things like that. Um, so they'll they'll make it work. Um, space is absolutely at a premium. That that thing came out last uh, or two weeks ago where you could expand it to 32 with outgoing transfers and stuff like that. That's really not going to affect Penn State all that much. Um, average attrition, you know, it being what it is. If you if you get a you know uh, an exodus where a bunch of guys leave that you're more than you're expecting. Maybe you add a couple scholarships there, but it doesn't really change all that much from Penn State standpoint. But right now, they've got a couple of spots to work with. If that, I mean, you're over your target number. You're, you're fighting against the 85 at this point. Um, but it's uh, it, it, if you can get a guy like Andre Reed, you get a guy like Jay Sean Barham, you'll figure out the numbers somehow. It, it, it always works out. And then two more things that just haven't always been on the radar with the recruiting cycle, Sean. The fact that you've got a bunch of super seniors who can stick around for another year. They're, they're, I guess they're super juniors technically under the eyes of the NCAA. Um, so you've got to factor that in a bunch of fifth year and fourth year guys. And then, I mean, the, the transfer portal dive worked out pretty well for Penn State so far. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they're not going to back away for, from the strategy of, of using the transfer portal to plug and play. So you're going to want to save some spots there. So this is all kind of this unique situation we find ourselves in here in, in the fall of 2021. Oh, it's very unique. And you're right. They, they've had success in the transfer portal. They'll, they'll go back there and see what they can do to, to patch holes in that uh, on that roster over the next year. Um, but, yeah, I think there's going to be fewer transfers this year. You, you had a bunch of space, especially with that 2021 class being so small. You had a bunch of space to work with. So I, I don't know. Uh, where I think it's probably a little bit early to target that you, you got to take a look at the progress at some positions like wide receiver and, and see how you, you stack up and see what that long-term projection looks like. Um, but yeah, they're still going to look at the transfers. They, that's the thing. I mean, we, we talked all off season about looking at quarterbacks and not jumping on quarterback. I mean, they, they looked at quarterbacks. They looked at a lot of quarterbacks and um, you know, not, not necessarily finding the fit and seems like it's, it, it's worked out for them somehow. Uh, even though that was not, did not look like the case a couple of months ago. Um, certainly credit to, to Sean Clifford there, but uh, yeah, I think that that's going to be a situation where you see some ebbs and flows and um, you know, I'm not sure how the transfer portal is going to work with guys uh, that have that extra year of eligibility, so to say. But we we asked um, James Franklin about red. I think Mark Mark Brennan asked James Franklin mm -hmm. about redshirting last week, and he basically said they're they're treating it as if there was no COVID year, and that they don't want to have six year guys, and unless it's the absolutely right decision for for everybody. Uh, Sean Clifford could still be very much up in the air. I, I that's the interesting one to me. I mean, that's the interesting one to everybody because you don't know what the resolution is going to be from that one. Um, but but definitely guys that, that that are winding down their their eligibility, guys, you know, just like Des Holmes or something like that. It'll be interesting to see. And then you're going to have guys hit the transfer portal because of that, that they still have an extra year, even though they're seniors. So um, I think that'll be an interesting one to track. But Penn State doesn't want six-year guys. I mean, that's I, I think that's been clear. Um, you saw Shelton leave. You saw Shane Simmons leave. It's potentially guys that could have um, started or been high on the depth chart for, for this 2021 season. Um, so I, I don't see it all coming together for a lot of the guys that have been on the roster for a long time. I think Tariq Castro-Fields was, uh, was an anomaly. You, you had him dealing with injuries and 
a guy that can come back and start right away. Jaquan Brisker, obviously they'd love to get him back, but as a Juco guy, didn't play a lot his first year. So um, not true six-year guys. I think they're just trying to avoid that whole situation. Yeah, some fourth guy, fourth year guys right now that you got to keep an eye on on defense to me stand out. Jair Brown uh, in his fourth year of college. You've got Jesse Lucetta in his first year playing defensive end. It looks pretty good. What might he hear about what a second year and maybe a full time role there could look like? And then PJ Mustafer, who's really made a big jump, I think, here in month one. A guy who really seems to love being a leader for this team. It's very early to have these conversations, but they're part of the dialogue that this Penn State personnel department has to have on a daily basis. They've got to monitor that. And, you know, that's just the way it is right now. And it's it's exciting in some ways because you can retain members of your roster that otherwise you couldn't. But on the other end, it, it can shut down some avenues of, of bringing in younger players and maybe confuse what you can do on the transfer portal market as well. Sean, shifting gears back to to Penn State football team has currently constructed. There's a bunch of recruiting content up on lines247.com. And I know people wanted to hear about these commitments, but Penn State's now number four in the country. They swapped spots with Oklahoma coming off the win against Villanova. Oklahoma struggled against West Virginia. They had fans chanting for Caleb Williams to replace Spencer Rattler, who was about a month removed from being projected as a number one NFL draft pick. Look around you folks. There's a lot of chaos happening in college football. Penn State goes ahead of Iowa in the process. Iowa has had a bit of a tough time with Colorado State. Penn State, as you know, Sean, they won by 21. It was a 35-point lead in the fourth quarter. Wasn't an issue for the first team guys. But still, I think a lot of people were surprised to see Penn State jump up two spots following the performance. Yeah, that final number is, uh, as you mentioned, a little bit misleading. You know, it, it should have been more. I, I, I kind of expected a, a step back just based on the, the the highs of the Auburn game. By the way, Penn State almost looked like they almost broke Auburn uh, with their with their mm. win over Georgia State. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's a conversation for another day. And maybe uh, Wisconsin yeah, I mean, too, Sean. Maybe, and maybe Grant Mertz. Well, let's look at college football. I mean, there's <laughs> there's some really really great teams out there, and then there's a line, you know, <laughs> Penn state is, is towing that line right now, no doubt about it, but they took care of their business. They did what they had to do. Um, you know, you, you're going to find out a little bit more against Indiana at night. Although Indiana has struggled uh, this year, Michael Penix has definitely struggled this year. Um, so I, I, I don't know how much we've actually learned about Penn state, but they've, they've taken care of what's in front of them, including a win on the road at Wisconsin, which doesn't look as impressive right now, but I'm sorry, they've got a siren in the background here. Uh, it doesn't look as impressive based on that, that Notre Dame game the other day, but uh, you know, you, you're still winning those games in front of you and, and you're doing it fairly comfortably. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you look at some of the, the, the ones around uh, college football, you mentioned Oklahoma, that's a game that they should win by, two or three touchdowns and they just haven't done that. So it's a, it's an interesting mix of college football and the, the really great teams. And then that line is, is pretty high. Um, and then a bunch of teams that you're still not sure about. The three teams ahead of Penn state, uh, number one, the reigning national champs, Alabama, number two, also out of the sec, Georgia, and then Oregon from the PAC 12, uh, just ahead of Penn state who uh, faces Iowa in a couple of weeks. And, and they've got Right now, four more ranked opponents on the docket. Two trips uh, in October. Ohio State's number 11 right now. Iowa's number five. They've got Michigan and Michigan State coming up later on in November. Michigan right now up to 14. Michigan State at 17. And Maryland right now, uh, you know, we'll see how it fares for them against Iowa. But they are at 27th technically right there on the edge of top 25 status. So Penn State's going to have to prove it on a weekly basis. And I think this is why it was such a strong pivot point for James Franklin, who wasted no time, came out to us in that media session and post game, Sean, it's something Mark and I talked on the post game podcast about, and he 
kind of laid into his team, said Wednesday's practice wasn't up to the stand standard. These guys were letting themselves get patted on the back. They weren't, they, they were reading articles about how good they are. And along the way, the edge fell off or the edge was lost. They need to pick it up. Sunday was going to be a hard day. I think yesterday there was probably a lot of looking in the mirror and a lot of coaches raising their voices and probably some team leaders raising their voices. But you get through that moment, you're 4-0, you're number four in the country, and now you have everything ahead of you with the Big Ten and a team that beat you last year to motivate you. I see just a major opportunity for Penn State to take a step forward and how serious and determined they are as a collective unit this week, especially leading up to a Saturday night kickoff in Beaver Stadium. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm not overly worried. You know, there's some things that they definitely need to cl clean up. I heard you talked about the run game on the post game pod the other day. Absolutely. That offensive line should be able to move, you know, no matter how many guys are in the box, that offensive line should be able to move some people um, uh, from, from the Villanova roster, which credits Villanova. You know, they did some, did some nice things uh, up front. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're not overly worried about that, that that stance. You expected a step back, a hangover, if you will, and, and Penn State provided that. But still, comfortable win. You know, you should win that game by more, but comfortable win. Now you focus on Indiana. You've got a lot of motivation there. You don't want to call it a revenge game, but that's what we're going to label it as throughout the week. Um, Tom Allen always brings good defense. Um, Michael Penix looked like a Heisman Trophy candidate last year, um, at least in that last on that last drive against Penn State. So hopefully they don't make him look like that once again. He's he's he looks like a different player this year, and I say that unfortunately because I'm a big Michael Penix fan. Um, just hasn't been where he needs to be and where he we we think he could have been um, before that injury. So I, I don't I don't see a short of motivation this week. I, th I think they'll be okay bouncing back, and that that's what you want to see, especially going into a night game and and in two weeks you got Iowa. So it, it I don't I don't think it's a we probably overplay the flipping the switch situation, but you have an opportunity to turn it back around and and get where you need to go. And when you're turning it back around and you're four and zero, you're in a pretty good spot. Yep. Plenty of coverage coming up this week on lines247.com. Uh, a bunch already coming out of the weekend. Wrote a piece on the trio that they have uh, at wide receiver right now with Keandre Lambert-Smith continuing to take a step forward and what Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson are doing right now from a production standpoint. Also some stuff on, on the ground game there as well. And Mark has his grades up and we've got recruiting stuff. And we've got three more podcasts coming up between now and Saturday night. Uh, it's early Sunday morning by that point. Uh, we're going to talk about Indiana in depth this week with the guest who covers the Hoosiers on a daily basis. You'll hear about that, our predictions later in the week. Uh, we'll probably talk more recruiting because I'd imagine there's some visitors coming to campus this weekend as well. Glad to have Sean back in Happy Valley. I think I heard your police escort on its way. So I think you're off to the airport. We'll talk to you soon. Get some rest. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll be back midweek with another episode. Producer Lance Glenn always does a great job. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.